This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3283 for Wednesday the 3rd of March 2021. Today's show is entitled, HPRPG Club Reviews Better and is part of the series, Tabletop Gaming. It is hosted by Klaatu, and is about 53 minutes long, and carries a clean flag. The summary is, escape reality by pretending you live in a dystopia. This episode of HPR is brought to you by Archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. everybody, this is Klaatu, you're listening to Hacker Public Radio. In this episode, me, Benny, and McNalu get together to review the Dead Earth tabletop role-playing game. We're doing this because we meet as the Hacker Public Radio RPG Club, which you're invited to join. Anyone listening to this, or, or should you have a friend who doesn't listen to this but might be interested in getting together to play tabletop role-playing games, are invited to join. Contact me or subscribe to the Hacker Public Radio mailing list for information on when and where that takes place. Most recently, we played a role-playing game called Dead Earth, which is a a very obscure role-playing game, which we gather from bits and pieces of history that McNally found online more or less fell apart in the end, but was committed to the to the commons uh, through not a Creative Commons license, not a public domain license, but the GNU Free Documentation license, which isn't a normal license, I would say, for a game product, but it certainly has worked out, I think, because it has been preserved on the internet, and I myself have taken it and added some missing information from from the pages of what we have, and uh, am working on a, a a wholesale revision as I as I record this episode. In fact, so eventually there yet may be a version 2.0 of Dead Earth. That aside, I want to talk really quickly about the game itself because. In the review, we're talking about aspects of the game, and listening to it through the edit, I, I realized that some of it may need some context. So I'm going to just say that game one, or game zero, if you prefer, of Dead Earth, we, we got together and we built characters together as a group. Building a character in Dead Earth involves coming up with a name for your character and then rolling dice to find out your height, I think. And then based on your height, you find out your weight from a big table there in the front of the book. And then you roll dice to find out your age. And age is very important because it determines how long, up until the game starts, next session or whatever, your age determines how much experience your character has had in the world. And that's represented by experience points, or skill points, rather. And also by radiation, how much radiation they've been exposed to, because in the world of Dead Earth, it's assumed that the apocalypse comes not from arbitrarily, let's say, a virus, for instance, but from a nuclear explosion. So there's a lot of radiation hanging around. And so if you've been, if you roll a character that is quite old, like up to 60, I think, is what the cap that they put onto it, then you, you'll have been exposed to quite a lot of radiation. And that is determined, or, or rather, that influences how many, how many radiation effects your character will, will have heaped upon them. And there's a big, big chart. That's a whole chapter in the, in the book of just, uh, literally 1,000 radiation effects. So that comes into play. And, and that affects your character in different ways. Maybe it makes them super weak. Or maybe, Bizarrely, it, it, go, it goes the mutant route and makes them super strong. So it, it kind of depends on, on really the role of the dice and a lot of randomness. And once that's done, you go through and spend your skill points. And when I say spending spill, skill points, you, you look at your character sheet, which has a hundred skills on it, and you can purchase, as it were, you can spend your skill points on buying dice for your skills. And so if you have a skill like uh, driving, driving automobile, automobiles, then you could buy an extra dice, for, or two extra dice, or three extra dice for that, so you're, you're very good at driving, and that's represented by how many dice you're going to roll when the game master asks you for a roll on driving. And the reason the dice, the, the more dice you have, affects the results of, of a roll is because what you'll do is you're going to add your dice together. So if you roll three dice together and you roll a, a three, a four, and a one, 
then you would add those together and determine that you've just rolled eight. The Game Master looks at a chart that determines the difficulty of pretty much any action, or, or not any action, but a difficulty scale, and and the Game Master applies that to an action. So for instance, if, if you have the keys to a car, and you get into the car, and you start the car, and you want to drive down to the other end of the city, that's probably a pretty easy action. So it might be rated at, for instance, a 6, or rather a 5, I think, was the lowest um, number for difficulty. And so if I had just rolled an 8, then I would pass I would pass that check, and I will have successfully driven down, down the street across the city. Now, if, on the other hand, I needed to evade a bunch of bad guys who were running towards me with baseball bats trying to smash my windshield, then I might have to roll a lot higher than just a 5. That might be determined more like a 12 or a 15 or a 30 or a 24, whatever. Obviously, at certain at certain numbers of dice, you're just not going to be able to roll as high for, for very complex things. So if, if I was being pursued by a bunch of bad guys in on motorcycles, on foot, and in cars, the Game Master might determine that that's a 24-level difficulty task that I'm trying to achieve. If I've got three dice as a driver, you can pretty much guarantee that that character has essentially never encountered that kind of stress before. And even if I roll all sixes and get an 18, I'm still under the under the 24 level that I need to succeed at that task. Now, if I add another dice to my dice pool later by getting more skill, then, of course, I can roll on, on more complex tasks. And that kind of continues on up until I think 51 is the cap of how difficult something is. 51 is essentially considered impossible, and that would require quite a lot of dice in, in one skill. An interesting mechanic about the game is that every time you are asked to roll, or or you ask to roll on a skill, you gain a skill point, so whether you succeed or fail. So if I say, I would like to try to pick that lock, or Jimmy the lock, as they say on the character sheet, Jimmy locks, then the Game Master would determine, well, how complex of a lock is this? If it's just a an off-the-shelf old lock that's been uh, that's been neglected for for a long time, and and maybe it's even a little bit weakened by rust and such. Then maybe it's a it's a very easy thing to open. You can just shim it open. Whereas if it's a very new lock and is is high security and really really well designed, maybe it would take longer for you to to pick that lock. Whether you whether you succeed or you fail, you get a skill point for having attempted it, and that represents that your character is learning from experiences. And that's that's an interesting sort of lifelike mechanic, I think. And so as you gain skill points through the game, you can then spend them on new skills, or on rather, on on adding dice to your skill pool. You can distribute that, that dice that you purchase to to whatever skill you want, and that's how you kind of build up the experiences of your character. So if you've ever played D&D, then you might be kind of surprised by this, because there's no class system in Dead Earth. You just have a hundred skills, and you just build those up in whatever combination that you want. It's an interesting, me- it's a, it's a, it's a fun game mechanic. Uh, the the skill sort of the the class list, just skill list. A lot of people quite like that model better than classes because classes assume certain things. They 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 make you kind of fit into a mold. Whereas if the skill list is just a skill list, then you've got sort of the tools with which you could build your own mold. That's what we. That's what we experienced with Dead Earth. That's kind of the long and short of it. There's there's a little bit more to it than that, but that's that gives you the basics. So now let's get into our review and find out what the group thought. Okay, roll each of you roll initiative. This is senses plus move. 35. All right, uh, I guess you go first because I've got only two dice. Yeah, 10. So the first question is, how was the character build process? Um, and I'm speaking specifically about the process, not the resulting character. We'll, we'll talk about the resulting characters um, afterwards. But what was the, how did you like the character creation process? It was, I see at first it seemed very daunting. Uh, there was... It was it was difficult to understand, although you explained it pretty clearly. I'm not sure I found it quite so clear, having read the the PDF. Um, but it wasn't. But as as we got into it, I didn't think it was that bad. There was a lot of searching through the document 
I mean, there was hundreds of things, not like a tables of hundreds of numbers to look up. So that was quite tricky. Um, but then that also added, it was actually became quite amusing because you really did not know what you were going to get. You know, it was all com completely surprising when you got to the result uh, of, of especially what was it? What was it called? The radiations? Is that what it was called? Yeah. So these these are these are these are peculiar effects that, are, that you apply to your character during the the build process. I presume, you know, because of the radioactive fallout, they're like mutations or something like that. Or I don't know. Is that what? Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought that that bit was my favourite bit, uh, and all the various effects that I had to add to my character, which we'll talk about later. I'm sure. The build process is very table driven in a in a way because like you had to cross-reference your weight your height tables for everything and then there was the big radiation table so i think i think it would be a mistake to come to the character build process with having in mind what character you want to play like that i think you'd set be setting yourself up for disappointment that's exactly one thing i i liked about this game that you basically had no control or almost no control over what what your character turned out to be so you had to just play whatever you you ended up with they have that weird sort of caveat in the rules where it says you're allowed to discard up to two characters as you're building but you have to play the third it, and it's kind of funny because obviously there's nobody holding you to that rule, so it's sort of a weird sort of self-imposed limit, and I don't know. I guess if you're all building characters together and someone says, okay, I'm going to discard this character because I don't like it, then that would be the way to, to police whether you throw away a character or not. But maybe it's just to kind of assure the, the player that it's fruitless to try to keep rolling up a new character in hopes of getting the exact combination that you want. There is also a problem with, with the, this rule because a character can die during creation, right? And if you, if basically three characters die during creation, you, you're not going to play. And then you don't yeah. get to play. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought there were a couple of things where the rules weren't that well thought out, didn't, didn't work that well. So we had to basically bend them or, or, or append things. Uh, during the character build or you mean in general yeah th this was a general statement for for the whole game not just the character build yeah for me the in interesting part and also the kind of weird part was was the radiation table where you had you had this list of numbers you rolled and then you had to go through the pdf i went through the pdf and read the first the first radiation I was like well that's interesting so i tried to figure out what my character can do and then i went to the second radiation and like like the sixth or seventh radiation was like, well, now you have to roll a number and depending on this number, you have to cross out um, the even or the odd radiation. So I was, I was left with, I, yeah. in the end, I was left with like three of them. I didn't like it because it kind of left left my character a bit empty. I didn't get too many like features of the characters that that others got from from the radiation table. I think that sort of touches on probably a bigger problem with sort of the design of that process is that there's so much during character creation. I mean, they're trying to be like wild and crazy and it's like we're not afraid to blow anything up but in the process is things you go through all this work and then you turn the next page and it says okay everything you've just done is negated <laughs> you know yeah, it's exactly. just like that's really exactly. a frustrating if you do the if you do the character build process rules as written you're actually supposed to roll for every single skill and there are if you'll recall a hundred skills you're supposed to roll your dice to see if you're good or you know if you're um what did they call it if you had a natural aptitude for it or a um i don't know a disadvantage for it you're supposed to roll a hundred times so one for each skill it's just crazy it's like no nobody's gonna do that guys but but they they knew they knew that this was crazy because they they gave an alternative way to do this oh no they didn't are you sure i think it, I, I read this in the pdf yeah that's that was my i modified the pdf that's, oh this, all, right, all, right. <laughs> all right yeah um i mean and all i did was add missing information i didn't go through and obviously clarify the rules <laughs> i didn't like rewrite the the rule set i just added new stuff as i saw the the way that i that i had played like the one time that i played this game with other people so that's why that's why i understood when we were doing it is that you, you said you had to modify the rules 
for that. The other thing that I think the sort of penny dropped for me in what the whole, what the whole process would be like, whereas when we we had very low strength values. Oh yeah. Fact, I mean, I think maybe one or more of us had strength values such that we couldn't even stand up, we couldn't even lift ourselves, um, and then you had to use the weightlifting skill to get out of that. I think that somewhere to me that was like that, that epitomised the whole build process. You may not even die; you just might have a character that doesn't make any sense. You know? <laughs> yeah, I think my character was basically dead when I created it, and I just used the weightlifting skill to kind of lift um, a strength that I could walk and, and lift easy light things. Like. Yeah, and then by by contrast, Philip, who isn't on this call, but our, our third player had. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger build. Like, his strength was through the yeah. roof. So, I mean, the, the difference between the characters was just beyond And, and the funny thing is that the rules actually give Arnold Schwarzenegger as an example. Unless you edited this part, too. <laughs> no, no, that was not my edition. That was the rules. Okay, well, what did you think about your character? Like, how was it to play the character that you ended up generating? Were there enough features and abilities for that character? Give me your thoughts on that, McNally. Yeah, I mean, there was a huge array of different, um, well, skills, I suppose. Far more than Dungeons & Dragons. I think you said there was a hundred. There was literally a hundred of them. You had to roll for each one. So that meant there was never the problem that you got playing D&D where you're like, oh, hang on, uh, which which skill do I use for this check? You know, it was always pretty clear. If, if anything, the problem was being able to hold a hundred in your head, you know, knowing that there was actually a relevant skill. So, But actually, in the end, you know which skills you're good at. And if there's enough of them, then, and there's a few of you in the party, then actually I thought that, that, bit, that bit worked quite well. I think the i found it much more different i did find the you know like in dungeons and dragons and i which i'm going to keep comparing it against because that's the one i know best i mean you've basically got the six fundamental attributes i didn't get a feeling that there was a fundamental set of attributes it wasn't really clear to me what moves and strength etc in fact i can't even remember the rest of them um and yeah it was initiative you added two together uh, like we did earlier at the beginning i found that confusing i never I sort of got better at, I got more comfortable with it as time went on, but but I felt that was something that I never quite got my head around to my satisfaction after a few sessions. The the attributes versus skills. I mean, mostly you you don't use the attributes, but then all of a sudden there is something that calls for the attribute. So your, for instance, your move count for, for combat, you need that all of a sudden. Your strength, I think you needed that for some for some reason, but only sometimes. I think it's it's indicative of probably sloppy design, maybe that you just kind of pull in those attributes there on the left of your character sheet once in a while, but mostly you're writing on your skills. That that does get very confusing, I think. But I do think that because the character build process. They encourage you to do it together as a group, which we did. I do feel like you can kind of, as a party, you can kind of plan out the skills that each other are going to have to kind of get that collection of relevant skills. So the duplication, I feel, might not happen the way that it could happen, for instance, in a D&D game where everyone goes off and makes their own characters and then shows up. And says, "Oh, you're playing a bard. Oh, I'm playing a bard. You know." And then you've got two of the same whatever. So I don't know. That's kind of nice. Does Does Dead Earth specify that you should do the character creation together? Yeah, it's it's something that they say in the PDF that, that that's what they recommend. I mean, you don't have to, but they're definitely I, recommending I read it. I this too, but found it found it a bit weird because in the end you have to read all these pages of of radiation table through and. It just didn't make sense to me to do this together. And, I mean, it made sense to me to, That's a good to put point. together the skill sets and everything together. But then it, it took a lot of time to figure out what the radiation table adds to your your character. And you definitely have to do this on your own. Especially since, as you said earlier, a lot of the radiation results would then force you to go back through and like recalculate a bunch of stuff. Yeah, exactly. What did you think about your character, Benny? How was that for you? I liked the part about the, the skills because the skills were the part where you could kind of design your character a little bit and give it a direction what it can do or what it's good at. I felt... A bit like my my character felt a bit 
dull compared to the others because the others had like those weird radiations. I mean, Philip was the one who was always cleaning everything and needed everything like clean and and freaked out if something wasn't in order and McNalu was was mute and apparently not deaf as i figured out in the middle of the game but uh, he couldn't like decide on actions on his own right and this is also a weird thing to play because you have to somehow figure out how to play something like this and compared to those two my character was a bit like just well i didn't have like special features or anything i just had my my engineering skills I picked gave it a direction to play. That's down to the game's design of like, let's just be wild and crazy and let total randomness actually reign. It's like, well, yeah, that's fun if you zoom out and look at the game. You know, it looks really crazy. But then as a individual player experience, like you're looking at the other players and you're like, they've got these cool features and I'm just like a normal bloke. And, and it's just kind of a weird, you know, it's it's like there's a difference between what the game looks like when you're looking at it on the shelf versus like what happens when you get down into the microcosm of just one person's experience. And I think that this game does not do that well. <laughs> it is not fun if you're the one player at the table who didn't get a cool radiation feat or whatever. Well, I mean, I was afflicted with, you could argue, too many cool <laughs> radiations. So um, if I can recall the most fun ones... I was mute, so I couldn't speak. Um, I was covered uh, in pustules for some reason, so I was pretty disgusting. I was geriatric, so I was older than my years. Um, um, I, but the I think that the one that was the most debilitating was I was moot, and what moot means is, as as Benny uh, said earlier, is that I couldn't I couldn't take any initiative by what. You know, I couldn't, I had to wait for somebody else to tell me what to do, you know. And now, you know, being mute and moot is a pretty killer combination because, yeah, I can't even have a conversation, a verbal conversation, <laughs> what I'm doing next. Uh, and I can't initiate it, uh, but, not even did, if I could. Didn't you have another radiation that basically contradicted those two? Well, that was the one where you, wasn't there one where you wouldn't, you were like very focused or something like you wouldn't give up or something like that no, no that was it didn't contradict it that was it's called brutality and that meant if i started a fight i could only end it with me dying or the other person dying you know there was no there was no letting them live yeah yeah, yeah. i think that that's not that's not the one i meant that, i mean this this kind of works out yeah i don't think there was one i think the the, the attributes of my character i was I had, I had um, good senses. Um, I don't know. It wasn't called charisma. I was streetwise. You know, I had that's right. Whatever yeah. the equivalent is of charisma, I had that. And you got to wonder how a mute mute person could ex- exude charisma of any kind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so or, or be streetwise even. It doesn't seem. You know, how can you be streetwise if you if you can't take the initiative in anything? I mean, <laughs> to me, being streetwise, like for example, would be knowing when to cross the road when when knowing who you can approach or not approach. You know, I couldn't do any of that. <laughs> so, so yes, the, the character was contradictory. But I didn't actually feel most of the time that was a problem in playing it. I actually found it quite enjoyable because it was a challenge. It was like, well, how can I how can I play this character? You know, because I'm quite keen on playing. I'm quite happy. In fact, I'm very keen on playing a character that's nothing like me. And so this was a bit of a challenge. But unfortunately... As it turned out, the challenge was mostly not on me, but on Benny, because you then had to do all the thinking, didn't you? Yeah, true. Especially the one session where Philip, the session Philip missed, so we were only, there were only the two of us. And it was like, I had basically to do all the, all the playing, right? So you just, you just followed me along. Yes. I mean, the one thing I did, we did sort of discover is that once you started, once you gave me a task, it was permissible for me to then use my not initiative but I could you know I could once you pushed me I could I had some momentum I could keep going with a task and use some discretion in that I think we decided that and of course the other thing is that the other ability that I had my character had rather was brain sonar I think it was called where underwater 
my brain sent out sound waves and I could detect things, but Clattery very kindly extended that to include sand, buildings, and air. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean we're, we were in the desert, so this was, wasn't a useful thing to have unless you extend it to something that actually exists in the desert. Yes, yes, I think that was quite a pragmatic choice. Otherwise, my character was just a burden to the rest of you, I think. That is an interesting point, though, broadly, that you're making. You do, in this game, I guess, you end up having to lean on each other probably a lot more than you would have to in D&D. Like, this might be, like, the ultimate team-building exercise, you know? Because you're going to end up with a party who one person can't make decisions. The other person can't stand on their own, you know? And, and so you start to like, it does become a collaboration of like, okay, well, how are we going to be a functioning party in this wasteland and make this a game? It's kind of a weird, it's a weird burden to place on the players, but it is kind of interesting that it does place that burden on the players. Like here's your, here are, here's what you have to work with. Now make it into a game. Find a company that, actually would use this as a team building (laughs) (laughs) team building event yeah I think I think though what I was thinking is realistically it's pretty quite a brutal scenario the whole dead earth thing you know it was all especially the the, the premise of this adventure we were all kidnapped and stripped of all our possessions at the start I've got a feeling the rest of my party should have probably just got rid of me, to be honest. I was just, you know, until we discovered the brain sonar thing, I was just a liability in my character. You know, I, I wouldn't have objected had they just decided. Mind you, if they decided to try and do something to me, then I would have had to kill them, and that would be the end of the game uh, for either them or me. Yeah, I, th- you know, so, I think most yeah. likely we would have gotten rid of you before being ki- kidnapped even. So, th- I mean, there was no reason <laughs> for you to still be in our party when the game started. What did you guys think of the rule set, the, the rules themselves? Like, once we started playing, how did you find the rules? Confusing, I think. I didn't find it straightforward. I... I don't feel after all the sessions that I was really, I was really, um, you know, I, I'd really quite got my head around the rules and the PDF, which was, I think, fairly well written from the bits that I did read, was big. I mean, it was quite hard to navigate. Um, uh, not not because there was anything wrong with it, just because it was so detailed and big. Um, and, yeah, I guess we'll come to combat in a minute. But yes, it's it's got a steep learning curve, and unlike other learning curves, I didn't feel we got to the point where it started to get shallower. If you know what I mean, it felt fairly steep all the way along. Yeah, I agree with what McNally said, and I I also think think reading the PDF, it's it's well written, but it feels a bit like that the first version of something that should continue with a second or third version where they clear up things where they simplify things that didn't work out that well i mean it was always it was always like it was kind of hard to fit all the pieces together it was like i mean the single rules what they described were were simple enough but then you had to somehow fit it all together and it just didn't sometimes we felt it didn't quite fit yeah i I think you guys are both dead on i i mean i i don't know that they do fit sometimes and, and it might be because because we're all used to D and maybe maybe certainly i felt like maybe i was trying to fit it into my D and sort of frame of reference but like there were things where like sometimes you were supposed to roll on skills with your d6s but then there's a whole rule in there of rolling a d100 to see what percent of success, a chance of, of success that you get. And it's not really clear as to when you're supposed to do one over the other. And so I kept falling back on, well, just roll against a skill. But I have a feeling that maybe at some point I was supposed to be using, asking for D100 rolls, but it, it's not clear in the rules as to what the difference is. Like when, when are you supposed to use the skills and the difficulty table? And when are you supposed to use a D100? I don't know. Yeah, I think that's when you when you compare it to to Shadowrun, I, I think that's that's the huge difference. In Shadowrun, I think that the rules are also complexer than the rules of of D and D and and harder to learn. But it feels like a well thought out rule set. And if you if you dig in deep enough, you will find your answer to question X Y Z whatever. And this 
didn't quite work out with uh, Dead Earth. Uh, agreed, 100%. Also, you guys must have read a different PDF than me, because well-written is not a, a, an adjective I would have used to describe that PDF. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> it's a horribly written PDF. And just for the record, there were sections in there that they don't even try to explain. They literally just say, like in one, I think it's in the combat section, they're like, combat is too difficult to explain, so we'll give you some examples instead. <laughs> and it's just like, this is the rule book. You have <laughs> to figure out how to explain it in this book because this is it like this is your only chance guys so yeah i i got the feeling that they really kind of expected maybe back back when it was being developed maybe they were just like well we'll be we'll be online people can just message us and ask us we'll just we'll, we'll talk them through it you know it's just like they really didn't want to write this stuff down so yeah, yeah not not great. Yeah, I guess we just we just thought it was well written because you added stuff. Yeah, I did add stuff. I need to. <laughs> I almost want to commit here that I'm going to do a full rewrite of that rule book, but <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to get around to it. But I feel now that we've played it, because I've only played that, I've played this once before. Um, now that we've played it together for, you know, a, a month, I do feel like I, I see what they were intending and i want to kind of like help them get there um you know what 30 years after the fact <laughs> come in and save the game three decades later i was just wondering why well either i have a, a very, very low bar for what's well written which i don't think i do have or it might reflect where i spent most of my time where, where most of my attention was focused and i probably did spend most of my time looking at the radiation table because I found that the most interesting. Um, and That's and, a and in a way, that is the most fun part. And maybe it was the most fun to write as well. So they put all their efforts on the fun bits. And they went, but combat? No, I don't understand that myself, actually, to be honest. Too difficult. Let's write, let's write another 100 radiations. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that is reflective of D&D 3.5. And I don't know if... I don't think either of you have said that you have played that necessarily, but in 3.5, it was very famous for, uh, and Pathfinder, it was very famous for introducing feats, F-E-A-T-S. And it, these these were just kind of extra rules outside of the skill system, like things that your character could do. And so that was kind of, in a way, like the radiation table, but but it was something that players could choose for themselves at certain points of character development, whereas the radiation table was totally random and sometimes contradicted each other and made no sense. So it's kind of like you get the same kind of complexity and variety of choice, but in one system it was actually thought out, and in this system it's just thrown out there, and it's yeah. like, make of it what you will. Well, I was just going to say, it may, the, the other reason that we that, that Benny and I have a slightly different view of you, Claire, too, is that we could just look to you to interpret and tell us what the rules were at various times, because we didn't really have to parse the rules half the time. We just went, I don't understand this. Klaatu, what, what do we do? <laughs> yeah, uh, I had to add something to the rules, because there, there was one thing I didn't like about the radiation table. It's the fact that the numbers aren't consecutive, because you... You roll three d6s, so you don't get all the numbers between uh, 111 and 666, so there are holes. No, you, um, you're you not supposed to roll the d6s for that. You roll three d10s or something like that, don't you? Are, are you sure? I'm I pretty, not, not sure, but I, I, I thought... I thought it's d6s. Yeah, you, yeah, I think it's a d10, yeah. Now we know why your character was so boring. <laughs> <laughs> all right, then. I, yeah, all, I, all, 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 the, yeah, all the garbage stuff. That's some really interesting design. <laughs> yeah, all right, all right. Forget, forget this part. You can, you can cut this part out. <laughs> oh, I don't know if you're going to cut that out. That's gold. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you won't. <laughs> no, but actually, you... you, you, you you may be right, Benny. Let me let me. I'm going to settle this, but, but carry on, and I'll just, you know, I'll check. So, what about combat, Benny? I guess you get to go first because McNally was referring to the rule book. What? How did you think? What did you think of combat? At the start, it was quite hard to figure out because, as a non-native English speaker, I kind of didn't know what half of the of the attacks were all the moves because they were like special boxing vocabulary so i had to i had to 
look up quite a few. Yeah, no, I didn't know what any of those meant either. Like hammer fist, double hammer fist, stuff like that. I... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> By the time I, I more or less had an idea what it meant, it was I kind of I like the design of of the fights because it gave you more like more options and also the, the the fact that you actually had to say what you are going to do in reverse I'm initiative order so you already know what the one that goes after you will do then so you can basically react to this so this you felt more like in in the actual fight in other role or in D D at least okay i have i have an answer to the it must require a d10 because there's seven eights and nines mentioned but the theory that higher numbers are better uh are, are worse or more detrimental to your character has a, a very impressive counterexample here so zero one nine so uh is temporary respite which means you may re-roll the next three radiations if you don't like them. So that sounds quite a positive thing for something with a nine in it. Zero two zero, which are obviously two three low numbers, is called decapitation. Radiation blows your head right off. Take ten d six damage to your head. <laughs> there you go. That's pretty representative of the ra- radiation table, actually. <laughs> oh yeah, and I just, okay. So Benny, now that you've said about combat, I, I I realize I probably should explain combat a little bit just for listeners. So the the flow of combat was this: you would roll initiative. The lowest roller, the person who rolled the worst initiative, had to go first, which sounds like a benefit at first, but then you realize that means everyone else knows what you're going to do. So then we, you, you sit down as a group together and sort of map out how, what's going to happen during that round. And because each player has a certain number of moves that they're allowed to spend, it's not like in D&D where you can attack once and move once. You get a certain number of moves. Now, some of your attacks require just a, just a move or two, some of them require six moves. So you have a little bit of a budget that you have to spend during your turn. And so you you sort of build I, – I literally just opened a spreadsheet and, and kept track of everyone's actions in a spreadsheet. And you build like a matrix of actions, and then you go through after you're all done and resolve them. So for, for in, in, in reverse order, so the best person moves, attacks, and, and, and down back through initiative. So – it's a really interesting system. McNally, what did you think of it? I, okay, I thought the combat system was really good, actually. I mean, it wasn't simple and it was confusing, but it did mean that you could think, you could, it, it did allow for some creative thinking and how you approach the combat situation, whereas you don't just swing your axe and you roll the dice to see whether you hit or not and then roll your damage. You have to think through the order in which you you'll you'll do things. And of course if you if you rolled a good initiative initiative, then you can counteract you know, like for example, I think one example uh, where I could counteract a move that I heard was going on is that somebody was doing a I think a kick. So I thought, well, if you're doing a kick, you'll end up on one leg. So I'll do a sweeping kick because that's going to take your remaining. And that's what exactly what happened, doesn't it? Prone on the floor, and then of course, it is exactly what happened. And then there was another case where I think Benny was opening fire with a gun, and then I thought, well, I'm not going to do a close combat thing here because I'll get shot, you know. Um, and and that that mechanic just doesn't exist in other role playing games. Uh, that I've ever played, and um, so that made the the whole combat. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with both of you. I, I think the combat is really the it's the one thing in the game that kind of convinced me that this was worth playing. Like the combat, I think, is just so creative, and it's so different than anything else I've ever experienced. I always look for places where I can steal this combat system and put it into other games because it's just such a perfect solution to a lot of the problems. I mean, one of the I have D&D players who hate combat in D&D because it slows everything down, right? Because you all have to start taking turns, and so then you're sitting there being bored while someone else debates what they're going to do with their combat turn, and it's very regimented and it just feels different, you know, and there's like the flow of the game changes. 
not so in Dead Earth. Like in Dead Earth, when you go into combat, you're all coming together and sort of talking out what's going to happen and working together. It's collaborative. There's no more turn taking. It's just a complete, it's a, it's a thing that happens and it feels like you're in combat and you're revising your moves based on other people's moves. It's a really dynamic system. And then, and it's great too, because in, in D&D, at least in fifth edition, the main thing about combat is really just move economy. That's what you're planning for is, oh, I can only attack once. What do I do with those attacks? Where Whereas in Dead Earth, you've got a budget that you can spend. I, I know that I have two moves, or, or six moves, and this one costs three, and that one costs four. Hmm, well, okay, how about if I do this one and then that one? You know, so, yeah, I think it's a really solid system. If you compare it to computer games, it feels a bit more like one of those old, like, 80s or 90s kung fu style games where you, you press this button, then then you kick, and you press this button, then you... you uh, use your fist or whatever, where D&D is more th where the RPG computer games come from. What you said, you just hit someone over the head and the odds tell you whether you hit or not, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, very much. The one thing that I often do when I'm looking at a rule book, well, I think after we first played it, is I thought, well, I'll go to somewhere else and find another source of information about this game other than the rule book. So I can get maybe a different slant on how to approach this game, and I've done. I did this for you know it could be it could be videos, it could be blogs, you know, it could you know whatever be a mailing list. You know, you find interesting things that you wouldn't get from looking directly at the the manual or player handbook itself. And in the case of Dead Earth, what I immediately found was blog post after blog post of the entitled. The worst role-playing game ever. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> it seemed to be the, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of a film. I mean, to me, the, when I was growing up, the film that everyone loved to hate was a film called Howard the Duck. I don't know if you remember. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I quite liked Howard the Duck. <laughs> it was a bad film, but it was something just... <laughs> You know, it was so bad it was good. Or Plan 9 from Outer Space, or Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. You know... I think uh, that's, that's an unfair comparison. I think um, it's got serious problems, this role-playing game. There's no doubt about that. But it's not in that category. I think it's... Yeah, I think those blog posts have gone for hyperbole, you know, for... You know, it makes a good... You know, it makes a... If you're going for clickbait or maximum hits in your blog, saying something dramatic like that, I, I thought that, that there was a lot of truth to it. Um, I thought some of the stuff I read was just way over the top. And it was a bit of a shame because it seemed to me there was something interesting about the way Dead Earth came about. I don't know the story. You'll know much more than I do about this, Klaatu. But I did come across posts from when people were excited about it when it first came out. Uh, references to those posts that made it look like interesting. Like, this is the next great thing in role-playing games. It seemed to have a bit of a... A hype, a buzz about it in the early days. Would I be right in thinking that, or is, or was that me misinterpreting the web? I have no idea. Or maybe it wasn't its origins, but when the company that put it together, if I understand it correctly, I think when it didn't go very well, they released it and tried to make it an open source type game. Yeah, yeah, they did. It's GNU free documentation license, so that's why I was able, or that's why I, I mean, obviously, I could have done whatever I wanted to, but that's why I felt fine about modifying the PDF because it's a free documentation license. Okay, so maybe some of the stuff, the excitement I was picking up was when that happened, that the community popped up and got very excited about it for a short time. I don't know. There was, I do know from the rule book that they had a very, well, they had, they offered an online experience where you would, you could track your characters online and if you reached a certain skill level, you would literally become sort of an official character in the Dead Earth world and you'd be listed online, your character would be. So, there was some kind of community around it, I gather, and maybe that was a unique, that was, I, I imagine that was probably a unique thing back in the 90s when the internet was still, you know, the, the widespread internet was still young. Yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah. I did see that. Of course, the, the website is long defunct now. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Benny? I've got basically one question that's that's missing, so I'll I'll just ask that one. I mean, by now you know that I'm quite fond of dystopian future stories and and like um, cyberpunk stories. So, what do you? What did you think about? 
the whole setting of the world? How well was it suited for for role playing? I mean, I I liked it actually. I, there's so the rule book is split out into two columns pretty much, and on this the sidebars are always or are frequently about sort of the the world setting. And then there's another there's a bit of a chapter in there about sort of how everything fell apart and the timeline. Um and yeah, I, I I quite like it. I mean it's not super detailed. It's not like a setting book where you get all the all the information that you need. And I obviously leaned a lot onto Mad Max and Fallout, um the video game Fallout to sort of inform what I built for this game um and i have to say that i actually intended to run the scenario that they provide they do have like a a a little scenario an example game to play in the back of the rule book and i was trying to run that but you lot did nothing that i expected (laughs) and and everything fell apart and so everything that happened was just me rolling with the punches because you guys did not do any of the actions that i assumed i didn't even think to question like for instance when you were kidnapped in the truck i thought i know that players in an rpg are going to try to escape being kidnapped that's what players do so there's no way they'll ever reach their destination you guys let me take you all the way to the destination and i had no idea what to do so i had everything else planned out i was like okay so when they get out of the truck they'll go either left or right so if, if they go right this is what we if they go left that you know so i had everything mapped out except the destination because in no circumstance did i expect you to reach to let yourselves continue to be kidnapped and you guys did that <laughs> so it actually already fell apart at the at, at the, the very, very first beginning <laughs> it was like i can't believe it and looking back i can't believe that i didn't account for that but but at the time it just didn't occur to me i just thought if there's one thing rpg players hate it's being put into handcuffs they will definitely get out of this situation you guys were just like, all right, we'll, we'll wait till the <laughs> truck stops. <laughs> yeah. Well, we we did, I mean, I didn't try because nobody told yeah. me to try, particularly. Um, Cuckoo, which was Philip's character, <laughs> was preoccupied with cleaning it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there was there was Benny and Queenie. Queenie was with us there. Um, I can't remember. I think we did try to escape, didn't we? No, I don't, don't think so. I... You you opened up a wheel well, but you guys didn't want to hijack it because you were afraid that they would notice, I guess. Fair enough. I, mean, I can't remember. Yeah. I, 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 can't I remember. started to manipulate the brakes, but this just led to, to us hitting a wall when we arrived in the place. So. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we probably got to the place marginally quicker than we would have done, done otherwise. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I liked the world. Uh, what about you, McNello? Um, I'll be honest, I'm not that keen on post-apocalyptic type dystopias. I prefer the more Blade Runner-y type dystopias. I don't, what, what do I mean by that? So you want the develop, you want a, the a developed civilization rather than the crumble of civilization. Yes, I think I think I do, and I quite like the idea of in Shadowrun we had an oppressive uh, civilization in the future. So it's still a dystopia, but it's it's there's something oppressive about it. You know, there's, there's a there's a big force there to 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 to. Res- you know, to fight with, to resist against, and to subvert. I quite like that idea. Um, I think, I, yeah, I, I don't know why. It just just doesn't. The dead earth thing just seems very so miserable. You know, I mean, part of this is escapism, isn't it? And to escape to a reality that's even worse than your own is <laughs> 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 a strange type of escapism. I, I guess. I guess the main difference here is that, well, the. the what we have in, in Shadowrun is a society that just gradually fell apart, right? And what we have in Dead Earth is something post-apocalyptic. So there was one huge event that basically destroyed everything. And, and that's what we're left with. And that's what's, what's left from, from society. And at least in a developed cyberpunk future, you have you still get the cool gadgets. Whereas in a post-apocalyptic world where everything just got blown up you don't really have anything cool in fact quite the opposite you have to fight using using 
what did what did Cuckoo or Philip had a fire extinguisher? Oh, he had fire, he was carrying yeah. around a fire extinguisher as his weapon. So <laughs> that's basically what what you're left with. I was quite astonished. Of of course, that's just that's just what you made up. But I was astonished how developed the world in the end turned out when we entered this room where they had actually a generator and a, you, a whole developed society under underground. I'm a big fan of, of Mad Max and Fallout and all the other dystopian into the world stories. So I, I feel pretty comfortable in Dead Earth's um, setting um, such as it is. So and especially the the sort of the underground civilization thing. I mean, that's like, as a kid, I used to watch Beneath the Planet of the Apes, which is like the worst movie ever. It's just the silliest thing. But as a kid, I just thought that was so cool to sort of go underground and find, you know, these secret society or secret civilizations. So, yeah. So, so do you, that was a, that was you riffing it, the, that whole um, bit at the end where we discovered these corporate people inhabiting the, the industrial base. The example adventure was supposed to be you sort of fighting against what's called the power and the power is kind of the the group of humans who have managed to sort of like assemble strength and sort of a, a unified front and you're supposed to go in and, and take them down but just because of how things went I, I kind of had to make what would be what, what I think would have been the power originally um, had to become the good guys <laughs> that you guys could join. <laughs> so yeah, there was some interpretation there. So what about yeah? Would you would you guys play Dead Earth again? Yes, I think I, I would because I'd like to experience more of the combat. I'm also quite curious to try the character um, creation again because it's just hilarious to be honest. I mean, it's confusing, but it's also hilarious, and I think. You also get a feeling after putting that much effort into understanding something that you don't want it to go to waste. So there's a bit of that as well. I think I, I, I'd play it again too, but not like something I would like get into. As I said before, it's not something I would get into like deeply and, and spend a lot of time on. But it's definitely something I would go back to for a fun session another time. Yeah, I think I, I share that sentiment. I, th I think it's a great little foray into that world for like a month, but I can't quite imagine it scaling. But you never know. I mean, if someone was going to run like a long, a year long Dead Earth campaign, I'd probably join up. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a fun, a fun thing to check out. Cool. Next next month we're going to play, or, or starting next week, I guess, we're going to play Starfinder, which is a space-themed D&D mechanic-based game. And so uh, you guys or anyone listening are welcome to join in on that. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website, or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.